pray for you tonight. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. I'm sorry the pastor's sick. Let's be much in prayer for him. He called this afternoon and asked me if I could bring a message tonight. And I said, what about your notes? Could, could I borrow your notes that you prepared for tonight? But then I realized how foolish that was because I could never do the job that our pastor does. I do appreciate our pastor's preaching and his study of the Word of God. And lately, as I have been studying things in the Scriptures, it just has been providentially that God has led him to preach on certain subjects and from certain passages of Scripture that just fit what I needed and helped me in my study. So I appreciate the Lord for doing that. <clears throat> I have been greatly uh, hindered, providentially hindered, from going to Mexico and Honduras in the last weeks and, well, even months. Uh, finally have gotten our schedule worked out a little bit. And in October, Judy and I will be going to Mexico, the Lord willing. I'll be teaching in a Bible institute there. And then in November, we'll be going back to Mexico, teaching in two different uh, Bible institutes. I always enjoy teaching the Word of God to those students. They seem to have such an appetite for learning, such an interest in the things of the Word of God. I want to give a testimony to you. I'm getting older and getting closer to the gold line. And in my personal Bible reading time every day, this book is becoming far more precious to me than it ever has before. Now, there are other motivations. You may not be quite as old as I am. But we're living in the same day and age. And I would, I would think that the very problems of our world would help us to notice the important things in the Holy Scriptures. And in such a time as this, we have a Savior. In such a time as this, we have the Word of God. And what a wonderful comfort that is. I have a message that the Lord gave me about the oracles of God, and I really debated about bringing that tonight, but since I haven't been traveling, uh, I have been using the time working on the book that the Lord has laid on our hearts that we put a book out on the subject of intercessory prayer. I think I've mentioned that before, and I want to do it in 13 chapters so that it will be useful as if some church or someone wants to use it like that. It can be a full quarter of Sunday school lessons. And um, it's been really a challenge to me to prepare this so far. I've just finished chapter number eight and I'm working now on chapter nine. And it just seemed reasonable to me having studied most of the day on, on uh, chapter number nine, <clears throat> it just seemed reasonable to me that I should share some of that that I've been studying on today with you tonight. The various chapters of the book, <clears throat> I won't mention all of them, but I have given 
a full chapter to each of several of the great intercessors of the Word of God. One chapter to Job, one to Abraham, one to the prophet Daniel, and chapter 8 was on the intercession of Christ. And I've just finished that and working now on the ministry of the Holy Spirit in intercessory prayer. And that's what I'd like to share tonight. If you would please turn in your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 8. The book of Romans chapter 8. And also we're going to read from the book of Jude, just a very short verse of scripture. I'll read it first. In the book of Jude, verse number 20, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Now we know that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are co-equal in all of their attributes. What is true of one is true of the other. They share the attributes. They share the essence of God, which is his wonderful and glorious holiness. <clears throat> so anything that God the Father is involved in, God the Son is also involved. And God the Holy Spirit is involved. And these three wonderful divine persons cannot be divided. They cannot be separated. And how wonderful it is that we have this knowledge of our, our Lord and Savior. If I understand it correctly, the way that we pray correctly is that we pray to the Father. We pray in the name of the Son, that is presenting all that the Lord Jesus Christ is as our right to come to the very throne of grace. And the medium by which we make this connection is the Holy Spirit. God the Father is on the throne in heaven. The resurrected and ascended Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. The blessed Holy Spirit lives inside the very being, the body, the soul, the spirit of each and every truly blood-washed, born-again child of God. So, if we would be respectful to God the Father and God the Son, we also must be respectful to the Holy Spirit because He is in us. And by Him, we have this direct connection with the Father and with the Son. Isn't this a glorious and a wonderful relationship? In, in the book of Romans, chapter number 8, verses 26 and 27 form the text for Chapter number nine in our book, The Ministry of the Holy Spirit in Intercessory Prayer. Let's read this passage, these two verses. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. <clears throat> for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Now that is a very significant statement. We'll be coming back to that in just a moment. A true statement. It applies to every one of us. We know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us 
with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now this covers it all. <laughs> this deals with our great obstacle and our great problem as we come to prayer. And then it deals with a great solution that God has given us beforehand before we come to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we pray that the sweet Holy Spirit would be our teacher as we study this text tonight and apply it to our hearts. And Lord, you know everyone that's here. You know the heart that is heaviest. You know the heart that is most sad. You know the greatest problem of each and every individual here. I pray, sweet Spirit of God, that you would apply the truth of the word to all of our hearts and accomplish your purpose. That when we leave this place of prayer tonight, we will go forth in victory with the praise of God upon our hearts and upon our lips. We ask it in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. Amen. Verse 26 begins with a very interesting word, as if it is just a continuation. It is the word likewise. Now, he's not starting something new by giving this word. He's continuing something that he has already been talking about. Now, we notice in verses 26 and 27 that the Lord is talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in intercessory prayer. But he is mentioning this as number four on the list of things that he has already begun to deal with in chapter 8. Of the book of, of Romans. If you will notice in verse number 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead. Dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead. Shall also quicken. And that word means to make alive. Quicken your mortal bodies. By his spirit. That dwelleth in you. Well. He raised up Christ from the dead, and that same spirit will raise us up. Do you remember in chapter 7 of the book of Romans, how that Paul is saying, uh, it's, it's really a very gloomy outlook that he's giving about himself. He's talking about the fact that we're still in the flesh, and even though we've been saved in the spirit, are being saved in our soul, yet our body is still depraved. And he says, after he concludes all of these things, I don't do what I should do. I do what I shouldn't do. And he comes to this conclusion. In verse 24 of chapter 7, he says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then in verse 25, he gives the answer, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, that answer is continued in chapter 8 and verse 11. When it speaks of the Holy Spirit that lives in us, the same one that raised up Christ from the dead, he is the one who is going to raise us up from the dead. So, this is the first thing that we need to notice in this chapter that the Holy Spirit does for the believer, or will do for the believer. Then the second thing is found in verse number 14. 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. How wonderful it is that we are sons of God because we have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit and therefore we are in the family of God and as such, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of every believer is our leader. We are led by the Spirit of God. Number three in our list is found in verse number 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. It hasn't occurred yet. We're waiting for it. But it says here that we already have the first fruits of the Spirit. Now, these three things that have been given here in verse 11, verse 14, and verse 23 are great assurances that the child of God has. These are three wonderful ways whereby we know that we have passed from death into life. These great certainties let us know that we're saved and we're going to heaven. And every one of these are by the ministry of the Holy Spirit who lives within our hearts and within our lives. And praise God for that. So these first fruits of the Holy Spirit are the guarantee that the ultimate work of our complete salvation will certainly take place. <clears throat> God has made a down payment. And the book of Ephesians tells us that we have the, uh, the and I can't think of the word in English. It's, it's, it's on my mind in Spanish. But that won't do you any good. The arras of the spirit, but that doesn't help you, does it? It's like the down payment that he has given. Now, he's not going to leave us in hock. He's going to claim the article. I lived in a day when people didn't have a lot of money, and uh, some of us still don't have too much. But anyway, that doesn't matter. <clears throat> but I lived in a day when people would put things on layaway. My mother, bless her heart, $15 a week, my daddy allotted her for the grocery bill. She not only fed us well on that, but she also clothed us and furnished the house. But my mother would put things on layaway. She would go and she would give so much money and they'd hold that article back and wouldn't sell it to anybody. Ever so often she would go down to the store and pay a little bit more. And finally she would make the final payment and she would get that article out of layaway. Well, that's where you and I are as believers. We're on layaway. Now, Satan can't get us. I mean, there is a claim. I mean, the ticket has been signed and the down payment has been made. And we have that first fruit of the Spirit in our hearts. And we know that one day our Lord and Master is going to come and take us out of layaway and take us to heaven. What a glorious truth that is. Now, these three things he has given us so that when we come down to verse 26, he's saying, likewise, just as sure as these other three things are true, so also this is true. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Now, sometimes we think we're the only one that has problems. But everybody has problems. But the wonderful thing about this 
is that our creator knows that we have problems. We have infirmities so well. That's nothing new to God. He already knows that we have problems. Earlier in this chapter, he says the whole creation is subject to vanity. The whole creation has a problem because a creature itself, verse 21, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. In other words, the creation itself. This explains why there are earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes and all of these things. The earth is going through all of these <laughs> climate change. Let me throw that one in there. And, and sure, the climate has been in change ever since, ever since Noah landed the ark. We've been in climate change and we'll continue to be in climate change. But these politicians that are so keen about climate change, their problem is they're trying to avoid the tribulation and they're not going to be able to do it. Amen. The tribulation, you talk about climate change. Just wait till the day of the Lord takes place on earth and that will happen when the Lord calls his saints home to, home to heaven in rapture. But uh, all of these things... Uh, verse 22 says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and tra travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but we ourselves also. And so, certainly we have, we have uh, infirmities. Certainly we have infirmities. It's the rule. That's just what our present existence is. We're still in a depraved body. We live in a depraved society. And depravity is the name of the game. Especially in politics, amen. But he knows that we have these infirmities. But here is a wonderful promise. Likewise, the Spirit also. That same Holy Spirit that is going to quicken our mortal bodies. That same Holy Spirit that constitutes us as sons and leads us. That same Holy Spirit that has given us the first fruits of our guarantee of glory. That same Holy Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. And we shouldn't keep our infirmities to ourselves. We should, we should let the Lord have them. We should know that he knows about them. Likewise, also the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. The great challenge in the Christian life is to be able to pray and pray aright. The great challenge to prayer is the fact that we don't know what to pray for. There is a great danger that we may pray and ask God for the wrong thing. We need to be careful when we pray because we may ask God for something that is not his will. Have you ever done that? I am so very sure that I have done that. I've told this illustration before. When my dad was on his deathbed... He couldn't breathe. He had pulmonary fibrosis. 
And that's a terrible thing not to be able to breathe. And he was suffering so much. He was 95 years of age. He had had a good life. And I prayed. I said, dear Lord, please go ahead and take my dad. Take my dad. Well, after about two weeks of suffering, the Lord did take my dad. But then it dawned on me that I had not prayed rightly. And so eight months later to the day, my mother died, but I didn't pray that same prayer from my mother. She suffered greatly, but I did not pray that prayer from my mother. And if I had my time to go over, I would have prayed differently for my dad, knowing what I know now. So now my prayer would be, instead of, Lord, take my dad, I would say, Lord, may your name be glorified. That's exactly the same thing that the Lord Jesus Christ prayed in the New Testament when he said, and what shall I say? And he gave his own answer. Thy name be glorified. Have you ever wondered what to say when you did not know what to say? It's just like knowing what to pray when you don't know what to pray. You will never go wrong by praying thy name be glorified. Moses learned a painful lesson about this. When they were in the wilderness, they came to a time with no water. And Moses approached the Lord and the Lord says, you take your rod and go down to this certain rock and strike the rock. In obedience, he went down and he struck the rock and water came out. Sometime later, there was, they, they, they again did not have water. And God said, Moses, now go and speak to the rock. Now, there's a great lesson in this. The rock is Christ. He was struck the first time on the cross of Calvary. He doesn't have to be struck anymore. We can speak to the rock. That's where the power is. His heel was already bruised on Calvary and he's risen from the grave. That much has been done. That price has been paid. And we can praise God for that. Now we simply speak to the rock. But Moses was so aggravated with the children of Israel with all of their complaining and murmuring. Until he took that rod, and I'm not quoting exactly the scripture now, I'm just paraphrasing it a bit here. He says, I'll show you rebellious Israelites something. I'll give you some water. And he struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. And God said, okay, because of that, you're not going to be able to go into the promised land. You know, I've never thought about Moses possibly having committed a sin unto death. But the Bible says that when Moses died, that his eyesight was not dimmed. His natural force was not abated. He was only 120 years of age. But it looks like to me that he died before his time but Moses really wanted to go into the promised land. And over in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter number three, there is a very significant statement. 
that we read about this situation that Moses had. In Deuteronomy chapter number 3, and uh, I don't have my outline done really good, and so I've got the reference written down here somewhere. I'll find it in just a minute. Please bear with me. Chapter, 20, chapter 3, verse 23. Verse 23 of chapter 3 of Deuteronomy. And I besought the Lord at that time, saying, Deuteronomy 3, 24 now. O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might? I pray thee, let me go over and see the land, the good land. That is before Jordan, that goodly mountain and Lebanon. And the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes. He's speaking to Israel. And would not hear me. And the Lord said unto me, let it suffice thee. Speak no more unto me of this matter. Go up to the mountain. Pisgah, you can see it, but you can't go. Moses actually asked God for that which was not the will of God. And I'm saying we should be careful when we pray that we not ask for something that is not the will of God. Paul had that same experience. <clears throat> not exactly the same experience, but, but in the word of God over in 2nd... Uh, Corinthians chapter 12 verses 1 to 10 we read where he had this glorious experience and then because it was so wonderful God had to give him a thorn in the flesh just to bring him down to earth again so to speak and he asked three times for the Lord to remove that thorn in the flesh and the Lord finally said don't speak to me anymore of this matter my grace is sufficient for thee. You know, I've read the stories of great Christians who have borne burdens <clears throat> and God did not deliver them from the affliction and the infirmity that they were in. And their testimony was always, it's better to be in the infirmity and in the affliction with God than to not have it and not have God's deliverance. What a tremendous thought that is. Okay, back to our text. <clears throat> In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Wouldn't it be wonderful to always know? Do you always know the will of God when you pray? It would be so wonderful if we did, because there is a tremendous promise on that. Hold your place there in Romans 8 and go with me to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, and notice verse 14. And this is the confidence, 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. 
Now, sometimes God does give us a heads up on what his will is before we pray. And that's wonderful to be able to pray knowing for sure what the will of God is. But there are times when we don't know. We may as well admit it. There are times when we do not know what to pray for as we should. But we're covered. Verse 26 of Romans 8 tells us, The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, we've got a lot going for us in this, in this area of in this ministry of intercessory prayer. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. The Lord Jesus Christ intercedes for us. And we have an inroad to the very throne of grace. And there is such power in the intercessory prayer of a child of God. No wonder. Look what we've got on our side. Look what we have going for us. How wonderful it is. With groanings which cannot be uttered. Now some people have been perturbed because here it says the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. And their claim is, well the Holy Spirit is not a thing. It's not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. And the Bible refers to him in the masculine gender. He, him. So they say, this reference here in the King James is not properly translated. Well, now, really, let's look at this just briefly to get this out of our minds in case it's in anybody's mind. Is the Holy Spirit a person who's referred to in Scripture in the masculine gender? Yes, he is. Is he a thing, an it? No, he is not. And if you want to show that he is a person in the masculine gender, there are many verses throughout the Bible that you can use. But don't try to use this one. Because Romans 8.26 is not dealing with that subject. As a matter of fact, the prefix it or if you would transfer and put the word himself, the prefix him is not the part that gets the emphasis. It is the suffix of the word. In other words, the word self. It's self. And what God is saying here is that the Holy Spirit personally is going to help you in your time of need when you don't know what to pray about. That same two, those same two words, spirit and self, are also given in our, in our Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 11. And it says here, for by one spirit, I'm sorry, I'm reading the, ver the wrong verse, verse 11. But all these worketh that one and self-same spirit. There are the two words. Spirit and self. That self-same spirit. Dividing to every man severally as he will. So let's maintain our confidence in our wonderful translation of the King James Version. And let's go on with the message. The spirit 
Self-same spirit, the Holy Spirit, makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. He's saying here that when we come to a time of prayer, when we come to a time of great burden, and we don't know what to pray for, that the Holy Spirit who prays for us knows what is the will of God, and he prays through us even when we cannot articulate the right words to pray like we ought to pray with groanings. I dare say there's not a child of God present in this auditorium tonight who has not at one time or another in your life experienced this very same thing. You've had a burden, a prayer. Somebody was in trouble. There was a great need. And you didn't know what to say. You didn't know how to say it. The only thing you knew is you just wanted to get along by yourself. And you went into your prayer closet. And you got on your knees. And, and you couldn't say what you wanted to say. And it just came out. Oh. Oh God. Oh Lord. Have you been there? I dare say if you've been saved very long. In this troublesome world in which we live, you've been there. But it is in that moment that the sweet Holy Spirit of God is ministering to us and ministering through us. And it is then that we're able to intercede to God. The Bible clearly says that a broken and a contrite heart, oh God, thou wilt not despise. The one thing God looks for you for when he sees you coming to him in prayer and when he sees me coming to him in prayer is humility of spirit with a broken heart, tearful eyes as it may be, but a broken heart before the Lord. And the Lord sees that. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit is fulfilling the promise of Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. In your life. Notice hurriedly in verse 27. And he that searcheth the hearts. Knoweth. What is the mind of the spirit. Because he maketh intercession for the saints. According. To the will of God. Now who is that? When it says he that searcheth the hearts. Who is that? I want to show you, if you will turn with me, please, to the book of Revelation, chapter number 2. And we'll just read one verse. We're not going to try to get into the context. We're just going to read this one verse here. The Lord Jesus is speaking in, Acts, in, in Revelation 2 and 3 to the seven churches of Asia. And he is saying here to the church at Thyatira. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that, now get this, I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts. Uh, so there we have two that are praying for us. The Holy Spirit is interceding for us. And the Lord Jesus Christ is interceding for us. And he understands all about this great problem of the infirmities that we have. 
In closing, let's hurry over to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. I think this verse goes so well along with what we're reading there. In verse 14 it says, Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with a feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The Lord Jesus Christ is our great high priest and he is touched with a feeling of our infirmities. Do you remember in the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John, verse 35, that children sometimes quote when they have to say a verse and can't think of what to say? Two words, Jesus wept. And we smile because we think that child is really copping out. He has chosen the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. But wait, that verse is not in the Bible just for our amusement. Jesus really did weep. And the Bible says two times in that same context in the 11th chapter of the book of, of John that he groaned in the spirit. It's not exactly the same word that we have given here in uh, the 26th verse of the 8th chapter of Romans, but it is another word. But nonetheless, he groaned in the spirit. He felt something. He felt something. Now back to Hebrews chapter 5. And, and uh, let's look at verse number seven. Hebrews 5, 7. Who in the days of his flesh, this is Christ, when he had offered up prayers... And supplications, now don't miss these next words, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard and that he feared. Our Lord Jesus Christ, this is referring to his experience in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was so troubled that blood, his precious blood oozed from the very pores of his skin he sweat great drops of blood and our Lord Jesus Christ with strong crying and tears can you get the picture the disciples are asleep he has gone about a stone's throw away when our Lord went to Gethsemane and to Calvary, he did something that no one on earth or anywhere else could help him. He bore our iniquity. He bore our sin in his own body. And now he has come to this hour in which he is being outcast even from the Father. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he's come to this time. And he has strong crying 
and tears. We can't even imagine what our Lord was feeling in that hour. But now, when we come to him, we come to one who is easily touched with a feeling of our infirmities because he's been there. He's been there. May we stand, please, with our heads bowed and our hearts lifted to God in prayer. Brother Don, any further word before we dismiss? May there be an altar in your heart and in my heart to which we go to the Lord right now. Our gracious Father, we pray that the sweet Spirit of God would apply this wonderful truth to our lives. And help us to know, Heavenly Father, even though so often we know not for what we should pray for as we ought. Yet it's not all in vain, because the sweet Holy Spirit prays for us and makes intercession. And the sweet Lord Jesus prays for us and makes intercession. And we thank you for the glorious victory that we have in thee. In Jesus' precious name, Lord, apply your word to our hearts. Guide us in your will. For Christ's sake we pray. Dismiss us now in your love and care. Give us safety as we return to our homes. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. Amen.